Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Now that Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, what are some changes that are being made to the social media platform? Some users are reporting a mass purge of accounts. One of those users who apparently got caught up in this was Jake Denton, research associate at the Heritage Foundation, and he joins us now to discuss. Jake Denton, thank you so much for joining us in the Capitol Report. Thanks for having me. Jake, you've had your Twitter account uh, suspended um, just a week before the midterms, mind you. Uh, was this over a specific tweet? Can you give us an idea of what you think this might be about? Yeah, so I actually hadn't tweeted in several days. I don't like posts on my Twitter account. This was something that they call a network ban. And so essentially what Twitter will do in their uh, past capacity and obviously still now under Elon Musk, even though it's only been a few days, is they'll essentially target specific accounts that they believe to be kind of bad accounts by whatever metric that may be. Typically, they use something like misinformation or hate speech as a, you know, arbitrary term to identify these. And then they see, you know, who follows them and they just do a mass purge of these accounts. And uh, unfortunately, I was caught up in it. A couple of Hill staffers were caught up in it. Some young conservative uh, activists, you know, folks who are out on the kind of front lines fighting for these candidates that are coming up in the next week. So. It was just a massive purge, had nothing to do with behavior on the platform. They were using a, I was using a platform feature, uh, following, uh, not engaging with the content, and we were all just taken off. Jake, there are some reports uh, coming out as of last night that Twitter has frozen some uh, employees' internal tools for content moderation. Could this be related in some way to these arbitrary oversteps that you speak of? Yeah, I think what we saw um, this weekend was essentially these rogue employees kind of doing their final hurrah. It was what everyone had expected. Uh, it's just unfortunate that their uh, features weren't frozen earlier. I mean, this should never have happened. We knew it was coming, uh, but it still did. And so until it's reversed, I, I mean, the damage is done. We're a week away from the midterm elections, and you have a bunch of people who would otherwise be very active in the online community, talking, commentating, flagging news stories all off the account or off the platform. So uh, until this is reversed, you know, it's a huge injustice and it's a huge gift to the left. Jake, you've previously voiced concern over the Biden administration collaborating with uh, big tech to censor conservatives. Uh, in one of your articles, you referenced, referenced an alliance, uh, I believe it's called EIP. Uh, tell us about this. Yeah, the Election Integrity Partnership was formed in the days of the 2020 election and it monitored supposedly just accounts that uh, you know propagated misinformation. But as we all know, the only people who spread misinformation are right-wing accounts. There's never a, a left-wing account that ever lies on Twitter. So only conservatives were featured on this uh, report that they put out. You know, it's composed of kind of the favorite types of institutions from the left. You have two uh, woke left universities, like the University of Washington and Stanford, Graphica, which is a so-called social media analytics firm, comprised entirely of uh, national security alums from the CIA, NSA, as well as uh, the Atlantic Council, which is, you know, the left's favorite, kind of the regime's favorite, frankly, uh, think tank out here in D.C. And they all come together to just censor and flag conservative content with a ridiculously high success rate. And so ultimately, it's just more of the same. You have, uh, you know, whether it's them or just the, the woke staff over at Twitter, uh, we're all just being targeted, and it's about time Elon steps in and, and does something here. Jake, all of this seems to boil down to who is the arbiter of truth. 
Um, is there a way to resolve this lack of confidence in who and what is uh, being censored? Yeah, so Elon just dissolved the board at Twitter. He's now the, the sole kind of proprietor over the board. Um, and, but he is also now talking about building his own, essentially like Meta's oversight board, but for content moderation. And honestly, if it's anything like Meta's content uh, oversight board, it's gonna be a massive disaster. And so I think Elon needs to stick to his guns. Don't make a deal with the devil. Uh, I mean, these people are not good people. They've you know, devoted their entire lives to taking conservatives off the internet. And so he needs to stick to his guns and you know, allow speech to exist on the platform. Jake Denton, really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. The Chinese Communist Party is fresh off of their party congress, where former party leader Hu Jintao was hauled away in front of the entire gathering of Communist Party officials. Current chairman Xi Jinping also solidifying his power indefinitely. However, what was actually done to change the CCP's trajectory moving forward? To find out some of the policy implications in China and abroad, we sat down with former congressman and dean of the business school at Liberty University, Dr. Dave Bratt. Here's a look. Dr. Dave Bratt, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here as always. Thanks for having me. Doctor, I want to ask you about uh, China. Uh, the CCP's 20th Congress has just yep. wrapped up where it's going to drastically uh, shape the future of the Communist Party. Um, what major changes have you seen there and what are the implications uh, from those changes for the rest of the world? Yeah, well, there's, there's a few huge moves on paper, and I think that's the significant part, right? The 20, 20th Party platform uh, on paper, they made three major moves all in on Marxism. Uh, and so uh, that has implications. They got rid of their number two guy and their number three guy. Uh, part two of all in on Marxism as culture uh, means they're going to get rid of uh, the guy who wanted to do just a little bit of economic reform, right? So uh, bye bye to free markets altogether. Uh, no more uh, price mechanism. Uh, from now on, it's the decisive use of the state uh, to make all economic decisions. And that uh, is more problematic because Xi Jinping just got rid of number two and number three, which symbolically says uh, if the state's going to make all decisions, uh, how is he going to get information from the underlings if every time you go up you get in trouble and you get fired, right? So that's very problematic for a, a centralized economy. And then the third piece is the most problematic. Uh, they got rid of all of their uh, kind of Chinese cultural language uh, from Buddhism and Confucianism on harmony and peace, uh, which has always been in there for the past 20 years. We want to live along with uh, peaceful coexistence with other nations uh, and harmony in that language, all gone. Now straight onto a war footing uh, with, with phrases about, uh, you know, get ready for the struggle sessions. There's going to be increasing international complexity and uh, tension and uh, basically Taiwan's in the background. Yeah, and so that, that, that's the, the basic summary position of the, uh, of the party congress itself. How do some of these changes impact everyday Americans, say, in Oklahoma, um, both in terms of national security, should they be concerned, but also from an investment standpoint, what should people uh, know about? Yeah, well, uh, Rand did a study, uh, Bloomberg reported about three months ago, uh, if China hits Taiwan militarily, just for a one-year war uh, would cost the United States between five to 10% of GDP hit. That's a huge hit. That's not the stock market down, right? If the GDP gets hit, 
right? Gross domestic product, the total amount of goods and services you make a year, down five to 10%. The stock market's down 50%, just automatic, uh, for starters, right? And, and then that same RAND report also said that the hit to the uh, Chinese economy would be between 25 and 30% of their GDP. And it's interesting because it looks like they have made a move to go inward, right, with the, with the party document and the three planks I just mentioned. And so I think they're getting ready to try to be uh, self-sustaining inwardly. If they make that move, they know what's at stake. And then finally, for, for U.S. and our investors, BlackRock, you know, $10 trillion, uh, the ESG movement, people are familiar with most of this these days. Uh, but now that China is on paper, saying we're all in Marxist, right? And let that sink in for a while, right? I mean, this is, this is China and the Soviet Union, now Russia. Uh, we're all in Marxist, we're not gonna use the price system or free markets at all, and we're on a war footing. And yet we're gonna uh, still ask Americans to put you know, half of our portfolio over uh, in Chinese uh, markets and stocks. I, I find that to be highly problematic. In, in the investment lingo, there's a phrase called fiduciary responsibility. It'll be curious whether that rises to more than an ethical statement, right? Whether that gets into legal turf, uh, where you knowingly or should have known, right? If you're uh, financial professionals, that you're investing in a in a country who just made those three <laughs> toward full-on Marxism, right? With all the repression and surveillance state that goes along with that, uh, then no use of free markets and a commitment to a war footing. I, I think there are significant moves ahead. And then, of course, globalism is already uh, coming apart. This enhances the speed of supply chains moving back probably to the U.S. and Mexico and Latin America and South America and maybe Africa. I just had, uh, we just had a CEO summit at Liberty University, uh, 600 CEOs and uh, 10, 10 African nations represented trying to do business to business. And so uh, that, I think that, that kind of relationship is now forming because of these Chinese actions. Dr. Dave Brad, thank you so much. You bet, thanks for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.